This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning, and welcome to Celebration Church. There I am. Let there be light. Let's all stand together as our campuses over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Join with us. Let's uh, recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. As we're back into September, kids going back to school, all is good in life. And uh, we want to uh, welcome our T1 students uh, and their parents that are here. Give them a hand. <laughs> T1 stands for Transition One. It's a gap year program that we do here at Celebration Church. What is a gap year program? This is these programs. Actually, they're all over the country. Uh, where instead of going right from high school into college or whatever it is they're going to do, they take a year off to do a, what's known as a gap year. Our gap year is about teaching young men and women how to do life, to focus on the basics, how to be leaders, how to grow in their faith, uh, truly understand the Bible, but also how to do relationships, all kinds of things that we're going to be teaching and working with them over uh, the next uh, several months. And we're excited that they're here. Uh, we hope that you'll keep this in mind. As your young person gets out of high school, uh, slow down a little bit. Don't go rushing. Oh, we've got to go to college right away. No, you don't. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything all the pagan, pagans are running after will be given to you. So honor God. Put him first and uh, get your priorities right. You've got plenty of time. Taking one year of your life is nothing. Uh, or, or what are we saying? Don't give any year of your life? I mean, come on. We should be able to do this uh, easily enough. Anyway... Not that I made everybody feel bad that it's not coming. Let's go on. Um, we're talking this morning uh, about prayer because we're starting our 21 days of prayer. Now, you should have all gotten these cards on your seats or whatever. These are prayer requests that you can put in the offering at the end of the service. If you have anything specific, anybody, uh, whatever it is needed in, in your life that you're aware of, write it on there. And we're going to be praying over these for the next 21 days very intentionally. And be Specific. Don't be like these Facebook prayers. I need prayer for a guy who has a thing. <laughs> what guy? What thing? You know? Be specific 
so that we can pray specifically uh, for people and take their names before God and whatever it is that you're wanting to do, uh, write on there. And what we're going to be doing is uh, Monday through Friday at our various campuses meeting for those who can early in the morning, six o'clock for prayer, uh, and then taking off the rest of your day or going to do the rest of your day. And then uh, on Saturday mornings, it'll be at eight. And then of course we have Sundays here, but uh, uh, if you can't join that, get one of these cards. It lets you know what we're going to be praying on. And there's different uh, things every day that we'll be focusing the kind of prayers that we want to pray. And visit our uh, Facebook page uh, every morning, and you'll see a video or things there about the prayer that we're focusing on for that day. So you can be a part of this. Join with us. Let's pray and trust God to do things, because God does wonderful things if we will pray. The number one reason most people don't get answers to prayer quite frankly, is because they do not pray. We don't pray. We panic, we freak, we cry, we moan, we groan. But that's not prayer. Prayer where you come asking God very confidently for your needs and watching God show up and meet those needs. And we're talking about that this morning. Now, one of the big questions that you hear from most Christians is this idea, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? And they stress uh, disproportionately on what job they should take or what decision they should make and all these kind of things. Um, look, I think use your brain, ask God for wisdom, make the best choice you can and trust God to direct your path. Open doors for you uh, so you can see where you can go or close doors. Well, I thought I was gonna, everything shut down. Well, look for something else. Don't panic, don't freak. Use your brain. You don't need to be hearing voices from the sky telling you the basic everyday things. The truth is when the scriptures in the New Testament talk about the will of God it's talking about what, you, what kind of person you should be. That's the will of God. You want to know some things about the will of God? Walk in love towards people. That is the will of God. Be kind. That is the will of God. Be patient. That is the will of God. Be forgiving. Forgive people that tick you off. Because unless you live in a basement 24-7, people are going to tick you off. Work hard. Don't be a slacker. All right? Get involved in things. Be givers. Giving financially. And we've been talking about this this summer. You determine, remember, you determine the amount of blessings God will put in your life. If your version of giving is a teaspoon, then that's what you're going to get back from God. The Bible is very clear about that. As much as you bless, you will be blessed. And it's just the way it works. We had, uh, you know, we have people all over the world that watch this uh, the services here at Celebration Church. And many of them consider this to be their church. They are faithful to it and they support. Uh, we just had a testimony. Some couple from Illinois came up uh, last week or a week before uh, that watched Celebration Church and stuff like that and they support it. And they were praying about, you know, how they could get more involved, what could they do. And they got together and made a decision. They were going to give $5,000 to our missions program. Uh, now, yeah, very cool. Now, I don't know about you, but $5,000 is a significant amount of money and very impressive they would go to that level and they just did it by faith. And they drove up a couple of weeks ago just to tell me their story. And I sent it right here and he says, you know, we, we decided we wanted to give 5,000. <laughs> it's kind of fun, him and his wife were debating who's gonna tell what part next. But uh, anyway, so he says, we, we did this. We just did trusting God. And 
Um, those of you who understand tithing, the, the concept of giving in the uh, Bible, the, the, the standard is 10%. You bring home a dollar, you give God a dime. That's from, from the beginning. Now, what you do is up to you, but that is the standard. And they basically gave $5,000, which would have been a tithe off of $50,000, but they just gave it. And uh, uh, he's, he's looking right up. He says, within an hour of making that decision and donating that money, I got a call from my boss. And he calls me up at home, just starts thanking me for the work that I've been doing and how much he appreciates me and said he's going to give me a bonus for $50,000. Well, that's impressive, you know. <laughs> Say, well, that's just a coincidence. You know, it's interesting how many wonderful coincidences there are when you start doing God's work. Now, that doesn't always work that way. You can't just say, man, I need a thousand bucks. Let's put a hundred in the offering because then in an hour, someone's going to give me a <laughs> thousand. That would be awesome because our offers, offerings would be massively huge. You know, that would be great. Sadly, it doesn't work that way. Why does that work? It works that way for some. Sometimes the blessings just depend on what they are. Sometimes they are financial blessings. Sometimes it comes later. Sometimes it comes right away. Sometimes it's just health in your home, uh, in your family, just even physical health. Um, and seriously, that's a big deal. Anyone who knows that's dealing with any kind of chronic problems know that that's a big deal. You can have all the money in the world and be unbelievably miserable if your health goes south. Your health will be better. Your blessings will be more. Uh, all these different ways that God can bless and, and improve your life. Uh, there was another story. This, this story reminded me of a, a couple here at Celebration Church a few years ago. I had made the decision they were going to start giving at a certain amount of money. And by the way, giving is giving. We don't tell you how much to give. And I know people who, who've been taught, and you know, a lot of churches pray, you know, ask the Lord what he wants you to give. That's blatantly unbiblical. If God tells you what to give, it's not giving. Now it's obedience. And God can do that. God can speak to you and say, hey, give her 100 bucks, which it's my wife, would be a good idea. And uh, <laughs> well, if God tells you to do that, which you should do, by the way, uh, if God tells you to do that, well, that's not giving now, you know, that's obedience. God, hey, do it. Okay. You know. But that usually doesn't happen. Giving is giving. That's why it's called giving and not taxes. Taxes, they're very specific. What they want you to give. And if you don't, they'll throw your butt in jail. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. You decide. You decide. And the more generous you are, the more God is generous back to you. This couple was telling me they were out fishing. I think maybe it was on the Fox River here or whatever. And they're not catching anything, you know. And they're just talking, blah, 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 blah. And they said, you know... We really ought to up our, our giving, you know, and be more generous at the church. Say, so, yeah, let's do that. So they finally made the decision. And they said, Pastor, as soon as they made that decision, a big fish jumped out of the water and landed in the boat. <laughs> that is impressive. Okay, again, that's no guarantee if you want to improve your fishing. I don't know that'll work that way. But God shows up in different ways, and you want God to bless you, Okay. If your version of an offering today is less than what you'll spend at lunch, that's the teaspoon kind of version. God will bless you back with a teaspoon, but you'll barely be able to tell it because it's not, not very much. Be generous. And all these things, the kind of person, how involved you are and how committed you are, how much you come to church. You know, summer's over. I get a lot of people are gone on Sundays, and, and, and I totally get it uh, during the summer. It's Wisconsin. It's the only chance to enjoy some good weather, you know. So, and we don't get on you about that. But now, you know, we're back to work and stuff like that. Be faithful. Come every Sunday, you know. And unless you have a really good excuse and you got to feed your goldfish, it's really not a good excuse. You know, oh, a hair landed on my hair or, or a fly landed on my head. And I don't know what to, you know. 
Uh, you get up, you're still in your pajamas at 10 o'clock. Don't be like that. Be more intentional. Come to church. All these things. God's will. You want to know God's will? It's the kind of person he wants you to be. Don't worry and fret all these other details. He'll make that clear to you. Jesus often used this, the, the analogy. If you, being evil, know how to be a good parent, how much more is God? Now, how many of you parents, if you want your kids to do something specific, you tell them, all right? You don't wait for them to come to you and say, oh, mother, oh, father, what wouldst thou have me to do this day, you know? And there's so much of that kind of teaching, you know? But it's Old Testament thinking. A lot of times what we teach today is Old Testament kind of thinking, you know, let's seek the Lord to find his will and stuff. You know, that, it changes in the New Testament. We have the Holy Spirit in us. They didn't have that. You don't need to be, you know, waiting for voices to come to tell you what to do. The Holy Spirit will guide you, lead you, use your brain, be sensitive, grow in your faith, and that is the kind of, and if God wants you to do something, he's a big boy, he'll tell you. If you, as a parent, know how to be clear with your kids, why would God be unclear with you? If it's not clear, then just make a decision and move on. Quit stressing about that. So anyway, so much of what I hear being taught, you know, ever for the last 40 years in church about, you know, how to learn the will of God, how to know the will of God, how to hear the word of, you know, the, the will of God. And the reality is Jesus didn't go around talking like that to people. In fact, now this is not actually odd, but what Jesus did is he went around saying, he didn't go so much do what God tells you to do. There, there's some of that, but it was mostly God wants to know what you want him to do. He was egging people on. It's called prayer. He was constantly egging people on to pray. God wants to do this for you. God wants to get, it's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. He keeps going this. And I'm going to read just a, a, a few verses here uh, this morning to give you kind of a sense of the way that Jesus talked. And keep in mind, this is just a small sampling. There are so many places in the Gospels where Jesus talked like this. So one of the most famous ones is in Matthew, the seventh chapter, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. Why would he say that? Why is he encouraging him to do that? Because he knows that's what God wants to do. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. Uh, in the ninth chapter, we read, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So it's like in our community, we see there's so many needs and so many lives that we can touch. And God knows the need. Here's the funny thing. Even when God knows the need, he often won't fulfill it unless someone asks him to do it. So Jesus, here's this big harvest field. Ask God to bring more people in to help us win more people. Pray that your church will grow. Pray that will affect more people. Ask him to bring us more workers, as it were, uh, into the kingdom so that they can be a greater blessing and we as a group can bless more people. He says again in uh, Matthew, the 18th chapter, take a big jump. Again, truly I tell you, and again, he said, truly, I tell you, I'm, in other words, I really mean this, that if two of you on earth will agree about ask, anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There's great power when you're praying with someone else. And, and, and he's great, do that, pray, because God wants to answer your prayers. Um, uh, in the Gospel of John, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Every time God answers a prayer, this brings glory to God. If you remain in me, he says, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Again, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, he tells them. Ask, guys, just ask. 
and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Why? Because it's a lot of fun when your prayers get answered. This brings joy and God wants to hear from you. You can't just say, you know, God, God knows what I want. Does he know what you want? Yeah, Jesus was very clear. He says, God, before you ask, God knows what you need. But you need to ask because if you don't ask, you ain't getting jack squat. Somebody say amen. All right, you got to pray. Just don't do twisting off and lie. Well, well, God, God knows what I need. You know, it's like, like some of you guys. You're married to that wonderful girl in your life. And some of you rarely, if ever, tell her that you love her. A lot of guys struggle with saying, I love you. I love you. She, she wants to hear it. Well, oh, well she knows it. <laughs> she still wants to hear it. Well, I told you I loved you once. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Yeah, no, that's... no, you need to say it. There's something powerful that happens in reassuring when it's said and someone can hear it. All kinds of positive things you can say to each other, to your kids, to people. We should be building people up with the words that we use to encourage them. And because we're made in the image of God, God is the same way. That's why he loves it when we sing his praises. He just, he just loves that. Just like you love it when people praise you for what you do. When you tell God that you love him, he loves it. And he wants to hear what you need from him, what you want him to do. Because if you don't, like chances are, he won't do it. It's, it's just the way it is. It's called prayer. <clears throat> Here's a great example of how Jesus lo- loves to hear it. In uh, Matthew, the 20th chapter, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Now, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And you pretty much could tell, you know, a blind man sitting on the roadside. And just instantly you could tell these two guys are blind. And, um, and uh, they start crying out when they heard that Jesus was going by. And they said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and said, shut up. Quit making so much noise. And, but they shouted all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them. So they come over. Now, if you didn't know they were blind sitting there, you pretty much got a clue by the time they came over because someone would have to guide them. Okay, oh, these guys are blind. Pretty obvious, right? So here he comes, he calls them over, and Jesus says what is absolutely obvious. What do you want me to do for you? Hello. <laughs> I can't see. But he wants to hear it. And the Lord, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they joined with the crowd to follow him. So we see that even a situation where it's obvious, he knows what you want, he still wants to hear it. Uh, But you say, well, pastor, you know what? Some people get discouraged because they pray, and and, and some of their prayers don't get answered. Listen, God always answers prayer. But what you have to understand is sometimes the answer is no. Right? You know, your kids ask you for stuff. You respond, but sometimes the answer for their own benefit is no. So let's read another account here where it's almost the same situation, and, but the answer is very different. The answer was no. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, comes to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he asked them, what do you want for me to do? Again, he knows already what they want, what they're up to. Uh, in this case, it wasn't very good. Uh, they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. So then Jesus is going to come into his glory. There's 12 apostles. You know, they try to vie. Can, you know, can me and my brother be up there with you on, on either side? And Jesus replies, 
Well, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now, they had no idea what he's talking about. Uh, what he's talking about is the cup of suffering and the baptism of suffering that he's going to go through. Can you guys do that? And they said, sure. <laughs> and Jesus replied, uh, well, you will. And sure enough, they did and probably regretted the day they ever said that because uh, they died as martyrs. But uh, you will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Two totally different situations. Pretty much the same deal. Somebody has a need, they say it. He gives them another time. They say it, he hears them, and the answer is no. But don't get discouraged by that. Sometimes we pray for things we shouldn't pray for. Uh, and a lot of times we just pray uh, selfishly. And, and by the way, it's hard not to pray this way, but if the bulk of your prayer is me, I, mine, it's probably not really good, all right? Try to pray for other things other than just what uh, you want in your life. Do ask for your needs and stuff, but be careful to also pray for others. Um, James said this, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, there's a very popular prayer that's prayed uh, uh, often, and it's, uh, Lord, help me win the lottery. <laughs> and a lot of people pray that prayer. Uh, why doesn't God answer that prayer? Because you're just going to use it <laughs> to corrupt yourself. No, I won't. No, I won't. Yeah, you will. And I hear these people say, you know, pastor, <laughs> I've gotten so many, pastor, pray I win the lottery. Because if I win, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe to the church. If I win this $10 million, I'm going to drive to church. Check for a million dollars. Do you know why God won't give that to you? Because no way in the world will you do that. Because if you don't do it now, you ain't going to do it then. Because I know what exactly, you win $10 million. And you th think about the million you said you were going to give. Say, well, you know, well, there's taxes on that. You know, so I, and, and then you find, well, you know, a million dollars is a lot of money. And, uh, and that, the church probably doesn't need that much money, you know, or, Oh, maybe I'll give 100000 Before you're done, you're down to, you know, 50 bucks or something. Because I know that's what people do. You know, oh, no, all right. No, you won't. If you're not in the same generous with what you have now, you won't be when you get that. And so, well, I'm generous now. Well, again, money, money will, will make a mess out of you. you <laughs> I don't know uh, if we have any, any professional athletes here. Sometimes they show up. But, <laughs> you know, one of, one of the reasons these athletes... Like this guy, I won't mention any names, but he just signed with New England. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and you know, he was such a narcissistic monster. He was in, in uh, was it Philadelphia he played for? They got rid of him and traded him to Oakland. They're like, good, they got something out of it. Well, he goes to Oakland and he's such a monster they can't stand him and they just cut him and let him go, go in New England. Said, we'll take him. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But he was guaranteed $50 million in Oakland and his new gig, he's maybe, well, he's guaranteed nine, <laughs> might get 15. So it cost him 30, 40 million dollars. Just going, and he's cursing out the coach and everybody else and you know, he's such a pain. And sometimes we wonder what's wrong with these guys? Why do they act that way? Because money messes you up. It just does. For those of you who are older, can you imagine if at 20 years of age, you had multiple millions of dollars given to you? You'd have never grown. 
you would have never matured. The reason that you're mature and stuff like now is of all the misery you've encountered <laughs> throughout your life. You all know that, right? You know, you, you struggle in life and, you know, when you're young, you think you know everything and, and by the time you're 40, you're, you think, I'm not sure. And when you hit my age, you're convinced you don't know jack, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know nothing, man. I don't know nothing about nothing, you know. And, but, but if you got all that money, you're convinced everything you think is right. That's why it kind of messes with them. They, they kind of get arrested in development and stuff like that. Money can mess with you. He says, God's not just going to give you gazillions of dollars uh, because it can mess you up. But God will bless you. And there are people who do make huge amounts of money. Wonderful Christian people because they can't handle it. But whatever. The point is, the reason why some of the people get no is because they're asking for the wrong reasons. All right? Successful asking is when the ask is accompanied with faith. Uh, in James, again, it says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So you pray, not really sure. I don't know if God's going to answer that. I don't know. Uh, that's not effective prayer. You've got to have faith. So, well, how do I pray in faith? And that is a big subject and with a lot of angles. But I'm gonna, I want to show you one way today, something you can start practicing that will help you in your faith and build your faith. Jesus talked about it in Mark's gospel. It's recorded in the 11th chapter. It says, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, it sounds like the tenses are all jacked up, right? We think, believe in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. He says, no, no, no. He says, believe that you have already received it and then it will be yours. What does, that, what does that mean? How, how can you believe you got something before you got it? Uh, well, the truth of the matter is, we're all experts at this, but in the negative. It's called worry. You see, when you worry, you take a scenario and you run it around and around and around in your brain, and it becomes so real to you that it affects you physically. You get tight, you get nervous, your blood pressure rises, you can't sleep at night because, oh, yeah, because we're all great movie producers. We produce these movies in our heads of what's going to happen. And, and whenever I dream in my movies, uh, my part is always played by Brad Pitt. And uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, we're very similar in looks and stuff. So, so and, I'm, and I see this over and it becomes, you all, you all do this. You freak, you panic, you worry. And, and, some, and some of you guys, and I'm, let me challenge some of you men, Man, you're supposed to be protecting your family. And that doesn't mean just beat up some guy that comes in your house. That means emotionally and spiritually as well. What I'm talking about is some of these guys, they go home and they just emotionally vomit all their fears all over their children and their, and their wife. Oh, I don't know. Things are going bad. I don't know if we're going to have enough money. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it. I might get laid off. And every negative, fearful thing, they just vomit all over everybody. Be a man. Grow a pair and stop that. Well, who can I talk to? Get some friends. Get some guys. Get on this. You know, we got life groups today out in the foyer, different groups and stuff. Some of them are just men's groups where guys get together and they talk their nonsense through. <laughs> Seriously. And then you can get encouraged in your faith. Here's the problem with emotional vomiters. And uh, not to gross you all out, but when you vomit on somebody, you feel a lot better. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You ever been like that where you're so sick you wish you could just hurl? You know, oh, because you know if you just hurl as much as you hate it, you're going to feel so much better. <laughs> Awful thing to think about. But anyway, 
So when somebody emotionally vomits on everybody, they feel a lot better. The problem is everybody else is covered with icky. And they stink and they reek. Don't do that to people. All right? Get some people that you can stand with, friends, and don't do that to your families. But you quit worrying and stuff. We all do this, and we're great. It becomes so real. I mean, it's real. It, it emotionally changes you. Uh, what are you doing? You're believing that something has happened even though it hasn't happened. Because even though it hasn't happened, you haven't seen it here, you see it here. Uh, you, have, <laughs> you don't have to raise your hands, but uh, any of you guys ever have your wife dream a dream that you did something bad? And they wake up and they're mad at you? <laughs> I don't want to mention any names. But her initials are Deanna Gunger. Anyway, I, you know, and, and it's, a, it's so real. And she's mad. What do you, I had this terrible dream. You did such a, it was a dream. It was so real. You're crazy. You know that. Anyway, so we, we have the same kind of arguments you have. But, uh, but a lot of people do this, you know, because it's so real to them. Why? Because it's like it's, it's already happened, even though it never happened at all. It's called negative faith. And that's why some bad things do happen to people because they've like, you know, they've, they've so lived it out. Well, do that in the opposite. Think about your prayers and imagine the answer. And I'm talking about do it to the degree that you would if you were going to freak out about something. Roll it around and around. How's this going to feel when you finally get that answer? What's going to happen with this? And I'm telling you to the point that it just changes you. And you start to see it here before you ever see it here. Because the reality is if you don't see it here, you're not going to see it here. It's called faith. Now, not everything that you will do that to will come to pass any more than everything that you do worry about comes to pass. Uh, but it's called an attitude of faith. You get in a place of trust. And when you do this, just try it once. Some of y'all look at me like I dropped in from Mars. Just try it once. Just take whatever you're praying for and then just spend the next half hour imagining the answer to that prayer and how great it's going to be when you get that answer. It will change you, just like the fear does. Your blood pressure will go down. The joy will start to come up. Your stomach will be calm. Things are better. You start walking in an attitude of faith, even though it hasn't happened yet. I've told this story before, but I remember some years ago when we were first married um, and, uh, you know, to Deb, and, you know, we were like $100 short for something. And, you know, this is in the 1800s, and, and $100 was a lot of money then. And, and we're freaking out, and I'm just freaking out. Oh, it's $100. And, uh, uh, you know, I remember calling my mom. God bless moms, right? She said, how are you doing? $100. She said, oh, just relax. I'll send you $100. And oh, thanks, mom. And, and after I got on the phone, I felt so much better. But what happened? Yeah, nothing. She hadn't cut the check yet. They didn't have, you know, where you'd put it on your phone and send it to somebody, <laughs> you know. They had a thing called mail, you know, and you had to actually write something, put it, and you had to wait for the mail and go to the mailbox and put it in. And wait. So it took days before. But I knew she said she was going to bring it, send it. And I immediately stopped worrying because I knew it was going to happen. It was so real to me. Same way in faith. If you start to walk in faith, you can start to see more of your prayers answered. And that's just... Uh, one of the different things that we do. Jesus said, uh, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, 
Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours, getting in that attitude of prayer. All right, we're going to go into our time of communion this morning. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward here and over at our campuses. And this is a part of the service where we turn our thoughts and hearts to the sacrifice that was paid for all of us so that we could experience eternal life. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. His body was broken so that we could be whole. His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And you say, well, how, how do you obtain that? Do you get saved just taking that stuff? No, that, that's not how you get saved. You get saved by putting your faith in God and by doing what we talked about today, pray. And we're going to all pray together right now before we serve communion. If you've never truly surrendered your heart to Christ, whether you're watching on the internet, television, at one of our campuses, um, if you will pray and simply ask God to come into your life, he will do it. He will make a huge change and he'll lift that burden of sin off of you and give you this wonderful life that we've been talking about. Let's all bow our heads together and say this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I surrender my heart to you and I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your spirit. Amen.